Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Excellent. It is officially summer. It is a beautiful day, so welcome, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, it's good to be here, and being summer, that means we also have a fresh group of high school graduates ready to jump out into the world. We've got a, 10 of them, and I want to give a quick shout out to them. We got Anna, Alina, Melissa, Zamira, Toby, Sophia, Ellie, Matt, Larissa, and Sholin. And so may God bless our grads uh, and guide them as they journey into young adulthood. Amen? Amen. Yes. It's exciting. As Jeremy was saying, I have the privilege of kicking off our summer sermon series. Last summer, we looked at various characters from the Old Testament, and from the first half of this year, we went through Jeremiah. So we have spent some significant time as a church in the Old Testament. So I was really pushing for Leviticus for the summer. That's what I was hoping, but that was vetoed, so our summer series is New Testament characters, which is fantastic. Amen? So each week, we plan to take a character, we're going to dig into their lives, see what sort of gold nuggets we can extract and apply to our lives today. And so we're kicking off with a well-known character, the Apostle Peter. I love Peter. He's a fisherman by trade, a manly man, but also a young man. He's rash, quick-tempered, an act-before-speaking kind of guy. His brain fil mouth filter isn't quite in check all the time. And yet, Jesus says of him, you are the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's a solid statement. Now, of course, there is a lot of material on Peter in the New Testament, so what we're going to do today is take some snapshots of the significant moments in Peter's discipleship journey, his apprenticeship to King Jesus. So if you're newer to church, awesome that you're here. Peter's story is amazing. Enjoy it. But if you've been in church for a while or a long time, Peter's story likely won't be new for you, but my hope for all of us is this. I want to invite you to consider your own discipleship journey. We're going to look at the key markers of Peter's journey, so the invitation for you is to ponder your own key markers in your discipleship journey as well. Think about where you've come from in the past, but also ponder where are you currently at in your walk with Jesus in the present. We're going to begin with Luke chapter 5. You can turn there in, the, in your Bibles now. Um, this, is where, this is the first part where Peter is invited by Jesus to follow him. So our first snapshot is, is Peter's call. So five, uh, Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
That's pretty awesome. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto shore and followed him. These last two iconic sentences are just something else. Don't be afraid, Peter. Your sin won't condemn you moving forward. And from now on, you will fish for people. The immediate response is astonishing. It's really unthinkable. Imagine winning the lottery and some guy gives you a one-liner. You leave the ticket on the bench right there, all to be without a home to follow a new teacher. It begs the question, why? And who is Jesus? And what was Peter waiting for that he would wholesale just leave everything? Well, as a Jew, Peter was eagerly awaiting a new king sent from God to come and lead them. They were occupied by the Romans, who taxed a majority of their income and ruthlessly eliminated any lack of respect. It was also a period of moral reform. The Jewish teachers of the religious law were imposing harsh, strict rules on the people. And you had John the Baptist in the wilderness calling people to repentance, to turn from evil, to turn to God, because the Messiah, their new king, was coming soon. John was the first real prophet in hundreds of years, and excitement among the people was brewing. For Peter, the bases were loaded. He was ready for change, likely yearning for God to move, to do something like in the stories of the past. He was unsatisfied with the way life currently was, and he was hungry for God to move. Which begs the question for us, are we hungry? Are we content with our lives? Are we content with this secular age we find ourselves in? A godless world dominated by competition and busyness. Are you ready for change? Peter was, and he didn't think twice about it. To be fair, this also wasn't Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Jesus had already been in his hometown of Capernaum teaching and performing miracles. In Luke 4.38, just before Peter's call, Jesus actually came to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. And then two verses later, it says, The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, Jesus healed them. Imagine if Jesus showed up here in the flesh and all the patients from Lionsgate Hospital limped and crawled and wheelchaired their way up here and we watched Jesus one by one heal them all. Jesus is amazing. He was no ordinary person and you bet if Jesus calls you in this way, you're going too. Back to the line, Peter, you will fish for people. Think about fishing for a moment. This is a brilliant metaphor. All right, when you fish, you can't see what's going on at all beneath the surface. But whether by net or fishing rod, you're, you're just casting out. And then sometimes you pull fish out of the darkness and into the light, out of the abyss. In the ancient world, water was a symbol of chaos and evil. Deep water was terrifying, untamable. So Peter, now you will fish for men. In other words, spiritually speaking, you will pull men out from the realm of chaos and evil into the light to Jesus. 
So Peter, in effect, Jesus says, follow me and be a part of the solution to the depth of humanity's failure to represent the love and character of God. What a calling. And if you're listening to this message, the calling is also for you. Follow Jesus. Fish for people. Be a part of the solution. Stop contributing to the long list of evil carried out by humanity. I can still remember a pivotal moment in my own discipleship journey when my life began to shift. I grew up in church, so there wasn't really a moment when I wasn't a Christian, but through my teen years, my heart really wasn't captivated by Jesus. I had a few moments, including a mission trip, yes, but that wasn't the norm. But that began to shift when I was 19. After high school, my youth pastor asked me to become a youth leader, and I was real hesitant. But I loved youth group, and I had two good friends who were leaders, so reluctantly I joined. And nearing the end of the first year, I was having a blast with my preteens, but I realized I had little to offer them spiritually. My foundation in Christ was, was shallow. It wasn't deep. And one day in the spring, I was hiking alone in the forest, and the sun was shining through all the new growth. And all of a sudden, I, I was just awestruck by the beauty of nature around me. I was captivated by God the creator in his creation. And then I sensed a voice in my spirit speaking to my heart. It said, Brendan, if you think this is amazing, I have so much more in store for you. And I knew God was speaking to me. I have more in store for you. And at this point in my life, I really didn't know what I was doing in my future, and I still didn't for a while, but what I did, I jumped into my Bible, reading it with fervor, and my prayer life also came alive in a new way. And this small and simple encounter changed the course of my life. So what about you? How are you called to follow Jesus? This is our first and longest snapshot of Peter's discipleship journey. And the second one is Peter's first mission trip from Luke chapter 9. And like any good youth pastor, Jesus sends the disciples way out of their comfort zone on some trip. And this is what happened, Luke 9, 1 to 6. When Jesus had called the 12 disciples together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, and whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. What a first missions trip. Unreal, amazing. Jesus gives them power and authority to do what he was doing, and they did it. I was 16 when I went on my first mission trip. It was a classic. We went to Tijuana in Mexico to build a house. Um, and we built a house for a single mother. It was such an eye-opening trip. I grew up in the suburbs of Langley. Everyone I knew had a house. This lady had been living in a tin shed she had put together with some scraps of garbage she had found. And the whole hillside was in a similar situation. It was a deeply meaningful experience to put a proper roof over this family's head. And oh, they were thankful. And oh, those kids were so joyful to play with us. And I also remember on that trip, connecting Jesus really for the first time in prayer. 
Again, it was a key moment in my journey with Jesus. And after the trip, I was baptized with some friends and my brother. It was a pretty special moment in the life of our church family. So over to you. Do you remember the first time when you stepped out in service? What was it like? How did you feel? Did you sense that Jesus was with you? Is there a place or ministry that God is calling you to serve in this next season? How might Jesus equip you to do what you couldn't do on your own? Pray for it. Listen for it. Go for it. Our third snapshot is Peter's faith, starting in Luke chapter 9, 18 to 20. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah, the Son of the living God. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus responds, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. We don't know what kind of silence followed Jesus' question to his disciples, but it's Peter who boldly declares that he's the true king, the Son of God. A bold statement that Jesus praises him for and says is a revelation from God himself. Peter put his faith in Jesus as king. He declares it with his words, and he also declares it with his actions. Earlier on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had miraculously fed thousands of people, and then he sent his disciples on a boat across the lake without him. And many hours later, in the middle of the night, the disciples are struggling against a headwind. And if you've ever paddled in a headwind, it is not fun. And I imagine it's especially not fun after being in the heat all day and in the middle of the night. Then, in Matthew 14, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, okay? Uh, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. I love to like imagine this. Anyone here tried to walk on water? Jesus gets a few hands go up. Peter gets out of the boat and he's solid ground. And he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached down his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed down to the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I know I'm talking about Peter's faith. And Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But... Peter is the one who instigated this little faith experiment. No one else got out of the boat. No one else has walked on water. And he did walk towards Jesus at least a little bit. (laughs) That is pretty cool. But notice what else Peter learns in his journey in this moment. With Jesus, he can walk on the water and not get sucked into the darkness. But when he takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. I do think it's ironic. Jesus tells Peter he will fish for men, and then it's Jesus who fishes Peter out of the water. 
This is a clear lesson. Without Jesus, Peter is unable to fish other men out, let alone himself. In this moment, Peter knows his fate and he cries out, Lord, save me. Peter knows he's unable to save himself. He needs Jesus as his savior and the same is true for us. And the questions are the same for us. Where is your faith rooted? Who or what are your eyes focused on? Who do you say Jesus is? Where do you want to step out in faith? With Jesus, take those steps. Our fourth snapshot, Peter's denial from Luke chapter 22. At Jesus' last supper, Peter told Jesus he would never deny He would never deny Jesus, even if that meant dying for him. And to Peter's horror, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times that night before the rooster crows. Later on, Jesus was arrested. He was brought to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, likely completely distraught and confused. Jesus was supposed to be the new king, but now what? Peter sat down in the courtyard around a fire. And a servant girl, pointing to Peter, proclaimed that Peter was one who was with Jesus, verse 57, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This is a chilling story. You can feel the weight of both Peter and Jesus. Jesus rejected by one of his closest disciples. Peter feeling the weight of his failure, doing what he said he would never do only hours prior, the eye contact with Jesus. I think we feel the weight of this part of Peter's journey precisely because we too have all failed to follow Jesus as strongly as we want or say we do. Because likely at some point in our journey, we too have denied Jesus. What this story does, however, is humanize the great Apostle Peter. It reminds us there is only one who is perfect, and that's Jesus. Our faith heroes, they can let us down. They can't save us or lead us perfectly. Only Jesus can. And I also hope that this takes some of the weight off of us because we will not be perfect. And there's good news. We serve a gracious Lord, which brings us to our fifth snapshot. Peter's reinstatement from John chapter 21. After Jesus' death, Peter had gone home and he did what many men would do when their life gets flipped upside down. He went fishing with his buddies. And actually, I'd say that's a pretty good coping strategy. However, they fish all night and once again, they catch nothing. Then a man standing on shore calls out, friends, have you caught any fish? The man, of course, is Jesus, and think of his playfulness here. All right, he knows the current condition of their hearts. He knows they had a rough night, and he teases them. No, they answered, not a single fish. 
Jesus responds, guys, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You're doing it wrong. The net obviously goes two meters to the left or right or whatever. They throw their nets in, and again, a miraculous catch. Peter, realizing it's Jesus, jumps into the water and gets to Jesus as quick as he can, which is a very good strategy when we fail Jesus. When we reject him, get back to being with Jesus ASAP as soon as possible. I love the response of Jesus here. Think of his welcome back. He has a campfire going. He's cooking breakfast. He gives them a miraculous catch of fish for the second time. Now, I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but if you need to come back to him, think of his posture with Peter. He goes to him, fishing the Sea of Galilee. That was inside Peter's comfort zone. Think about, where would you like Jesus to meet with you? Where's your comfort zone? And I want to encourage you, go there this summer, be quiet, and ask Jesus to meet you in this place. And if you know the story, after breakfast, Jesus takes Peter aside and asks him three times, there was three denials, Peter, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And after each yes, Jesus asked Peter to feed and take care of his sheep. And then once again, like at the beginning of Peter's discipleship journey, three years earlier, Jesus asked Peter to follow him. Peter, you're no longer a fisherman, but a fisher of men. In Jesus' kingdom, your mistakes will not disqualify you. You don't get canceled. You don't get cast out. Jesus is waiting there for you to be with him, empowering you to become more like him so that you can also do the things that he did. Which brings us to our final snapshot this morning, Peter's first catch, first cast and catch as a fisher of men from Acts chapter 2. Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit came. And on Pentecost, the Spirit drops. Tongues of fire rest on the disciples. They start speaking in foreign languages to foreigners in their native tongue. The busy city gets thrown into a frenzy. Crowds from all over the world hearing about Jesus. Then some of the people questioned the sobriety of the disciples, and Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, gives his first public sermon declaring that Jesus, whom they crucified, is the risen Lord and King. Acts 2.37, when the people heard Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart, and they said, Peter, and to the other, they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message were baptized, leaving their sinful nature below the water, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter the country fisherman spent three years being with Jesus, three years becoming more like Jesus, and now is preaching to the masses like Jesus. These three marks of discipleship are all connected and lead back and forth to one another. This is Peter's first cast, and with Jesus' gift of the Spirit, he pulls out another miraculous catch, but this time it's not fish. It's about 3,000 people, all of them out of spiritual darkness and into the family of God, a fisher of men. 
And Peter goes on to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem, just like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16. You can read all about it in the book of Acts. It's a great summer read. And we'll end the verse, we'll end the, with the verse from Acts 4, 13. Peter and John had just been arrested and were on trial for speaking the name of Jesus. They were before the leaders of Jerusalem. And Peter, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives an amazing defense. When the Jewish leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In all of Peter's ups and downs, this is what his life became marked by, one who had been with Jesus. People of North Shore Alliance Church, could people say that about us? Could they notice that? Could they sniff it out? What's different about these churchy people? Oh, they spend time with Jesus, and they've become like him, and they're doing the things that he did, and they love the way that Jesus did. This is our hope for you, for our church. This is the direction we want to move in more and more. It's the start of summer. Hopefully, it's a season of rest or at least changed rhythms. And I want to encourage you, even if you don't go on vacation until August, take time, extra time, to be with Jesus. Contemplate your own discipleship journey. Ask the questions of how you are with Jesus. How are you becoming more like him? And are you doing what Jesus did? I've put all of these questions in the handout that you can get. I encourage you to take one home, put it in your Bible, and take an inventory at some point, whether it's this week or this summer. Where are you at in your discipleship journey with Jesus? I'm going to invite the musicians to come up on stage and let me pray for us. Dear Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the story of Peter. God, we're thankful for his call. And Lord, even if it's the first time that we're called today, we're thankful for your call in our life. God, we're thankful for the places where we've stepped out of our comfort zone and served you. God, we're thankful for Peter's faith. And God, I pray that you would increase our faith to step out of the boat, whatever that means. And Lord, right now, if we're in a place where we're denying you, Jesus, I pray that we would know that you want to re, reinstate us, that you welcome us with loving arms. And so God, wherever you want to meet us, I pray that you would meet us there. And Jesus, I pray too that we would become fishers of men, that we would be bringing people out from the chaos and evil of humanity and bringing them into the light as Peter did bringing them to you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We lift all this up humbly in your glorious name, Jesus. Amen.